Thank you for joining us for the Grace Abounds podcast. Today we will be joining John Lanier as we survey the scriptures, pulling out themes as the Lord leads. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged as you grow in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Grace Abounds podcast. We're in season one and we're looking at the book of Acts. And today's episode, we're going to finish chapter 19 of the book of Acts as we continue to look at the life of Paul, the missionary journeys that he went on, and all the ways in which the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout the known world at that time, and how uh, the early Christians and the church was built. And so if you have Bible or you have a Bible app on your phone or your device, feel free to join us. Or if you're just driving in your vehicle, feel free to just follow along as you listen. And we're going to go ahead and jump right in as we look at Paul's ministry in the city of Ephesus, that important city during the time of Paul's life in which uh, it was a very influential city. Uh, city that was um, a major hub during that day and so Paul sets up shop as we'll see here for a few years and we're going to look at his ministry specifically what I've titled this episode balanced ministry and you'll see why in just a minute but we're going to go ahead and start reading as we saw last time we looked at Paul's uh, approach with these 12 disciples that he runs into. He's sharing with them the full ministry of Jesus and what Jesus did as they only believed in the ministry of John the Baptist. And these guys ended up receiving all that Paul had to say. It was interesting that then the Holy Spirit was poured out on them and they began to speak tongues and prophesy and the power of God just filled their life, the love of God and how God gave them the fullness of what he had for them. It's such a beautiful scene. I I love that. And so we looked at all of that last time. But reading on, it says, Now the men were about twelve in all, in verse 7. And then verse 8, And he went into the synagogue, and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. That's, That's what Paul did. Uh, is often his uh, pattern, just like the pattern of Jesus, to go to where the Jewish people would congregate in the synagogue. And he did that for three months, and he just talked to them about the kingdom, the gospel of grace, and how Jesus came and did all that they needed for life and salvation. Paul did that reasoning with them. But when some were hardened and did not believe, it spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them 
Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the name, by the Jesus of whom Paul preaches. Interesting. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. All right, so let's stop here for a minute. Interesting things happening, a lot happening there. And this is what ministry in Ephesus looked like. Paul comes into town, shares about what Jesus has done, the baptism of the Spirit. These 12 believers are filled with the Spirit. He goes and teaches in the synagogue. He's reasoning from the scriptures. I want you to notice that. He's sharing about the kingdom of God. And he's reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. He's preaching for two years the word of the Lord Jesus, both to Jews and Greeks. So the ministry was the power of God, the word of God. And then we go through this interesting section just after that. And it says, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. So much so that they were cutting off pieces of his handkerchief and apron and brought it from his body to the sick and the diseases left and the evil spirits went out. So one of the arguments I often hear in the church is you'll have people who believe in what they call cessationism or the the gifts of the spirit, certain gifts of the spirit have ceased with the closing of the canon of scripture and with the early church. And so you don't have the, the miracles and the and all of the uh, some of those supernatural gifts that we read about in the Bible. And then you have the other extreme that believes, no, the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And oftentimes these two clash back and forth, arguing over whether these things are existing or not. And some of the uh, accusations is, well, you... On one side, you believe so much in the Bible that it's powerless. It has no spirit. There's no um, there's no miracles behind what you are doing. You're just reading the Bible. And then on the other side, it's kind of like, well, you just have all this weird, miraculous stuff happening, and but there's really no Bible. And I I'm so intrigued by this passage because this is what I firmly believe that Paul had the balance of the power and the work of the miraculous working through his life. At the same time, he's preaching, he's reasoning, 
He's teaching and bringing the word of God in the fullness of what the scriptures has said to the people. So you have both coupled together to make a well-balanced, vibrant ministry. And I think it is so very important that the body of Christ get back to being balanced. Because what often happens is it's like a pendulum swinging. It's this big pendulum that swings back and forth. And we have all these extremes. And I see Paul walking in the balance of what scripture says. That we have everything that God has promised us in the power of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, we take everything that happens and we line it up with what God's word says and see if it's true. And so, and if something's done in the name of the Holy Spirit, that it must line up with scripture and that we're not forcing these manifestations that are happening on the scripture and saying that it's God, but actually we're taking the word of God and we're shining a light on what's happening. And we're seeing whether that is truly of the Lord. Because I want you to notice something. With all of that that's happening, and and you've got people here, I mean, they're being saved. They're burning their magic books. I mean, value is a total of 50,000 pieces of silver. All of these things we desire God to do in our culture, in our day. For people to take the things that are demonic and sinful and throwing them in a burn pile and saying, I'm ready to follow Jesus. But I don't think that can happen until the church gets back to being well balanced in our approach to how we share our faith. And I love that Paul here is working so hard with these, um, you know, he's tent making and he's preaching the scripture and God is doing miraculous things through his life and saving people and, and helping them to you know, follow after the Lord. And out of all of it, here's the key. It says that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The name of Jesus was exalted. How do you know God's truly doing something? And it's balanced with how things are approached in the ministry. Power of God and the word of God being coupled together. Jesus is glorified and the word of the Lord spreading and the word of the Lord is changing lives to the extent that people are willing to drop everything, throw in a burn pile and follow God. That's how ministry needs to look in the church. And oh man, I pray, I pray this all the time because I've been on both sides of the extreme. I've, I've been in churches that are heavy on scripture, but really don't care much about walking in the power and the miraculous of what God has. But I've also been in those really um, dramatic, emotional driven, you know, charismania type churches. And I, I just always pray that, you know, God, um, can't we just strike a balance? Help us, God. Help me in my own life to to desire the gift of tongues and to desire these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit 
to desire people to be healed, to desire the miraculous, but at the same time to desire people devouring the God, the Word of God, and to have a zeal and a passion for the Word of God, and to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of the Word of God. That's what a well-balanced ministry looks like. I, I, the other thing that I didn't mention that was so powerful of what God was doing in Ephesus is that it says that that people came, they were believing in God, and they were confessing and telling their deeds. They were telling of their sin. This is where I was at, and and now uh, I want to come to Jesus, and I want to um, bring my broken life to Him. And, and man, I wouldn't that be cool just to see uh, to God see God do that again to where people confess. Man, I am I'm broken and I need and I need Jesus. Now when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Paul's desire was always to get to Rome, to be able to visit the church there, share the gospel. And so he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. That's the second time they've talked about the way, the way of Jesus being the way, the truth to life. It says that uh, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupations and men. You know what, that we have had our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed whom all Asia and the world worship. So they are afraid that um, their, their gain, their monetary gain would be gone. And so now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord. Having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. They were afraid that he would get hurt. Then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him, pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing, and some another, for the assembly was confused, and most of them did not know why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander motioned with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice, cried out for about two hours, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana in the image which fell down from Zeus. Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen had a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. 
But if you have another inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's uproar, there being no reason which we may give an account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Oh man, this is so cool. I'm going to close by saying this. Wouldn't it be great if the power of God moved in such a way through the scripture in our lives, a move of God to bring us to confession in the burning and the destroying of our sin and the things that hold us back, that it would make the world have an uproar and change the dynamic of how culture perceives how we follow God. I just think how amazing this was to see that it changed the whole way in which people viewed Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, to bring attention to the God of glory. And that's what life's all about, really. Taking the glory off of these false, handmade, man-made material things and these false gods and putting the glory back on the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus and stirring it up. I know that's not in us naturally. I think as believers, a lot of us tend to be a little bit timid and afraid to want to stir things up. But we live in a time that it's very important that we um, set aside our own agenda and our own ease and start stirring it up and being bold and being courageous and learning to, to speak out when Jesus needs to be exalted. And we don't have to do that and being a jerk or, uh, you know, being in people's face. Um, you don't have to do that in such an ignorant way, but just do it in a way that's loving and, but yet sounds the alarm that guys, life's too short. You need Jesus. And we got to give our lives to him, confess our inadequacy and our sin in our neediness and bring it to the cross so that we can see an upheaval in a good way of the world so that the world can be shaken to the core with about who God is for his glory and his fame. Well, we've got another probably eight episodes, a couple months worth of season one. I pray that you continue to hang in there. Probably what this is going to do is take us, let's see, February, March, probably into April. And we started season one about a year ago in uh, the end of April into May. So I'm excited that you've journeyed with me so far. I pray that you'd hang in there. We're going to finish up season one and then just praying about what God would have us look at next from the scripture. But uh, hope these uh, episodes have been encouraging to you and um, just uh, as we continue to journey through looking at these uh, books of the Bible. So be encouraged, be strengthened this week, and may God bless you.
We are so glad that you joined us today. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can join us for further studying of the word. Have a blessed day.